Kimberly Buckle is a self-proclaimed multi-hyphenate artist who stowed away into a career in the arts in an attempt to avoid following in her academic parents' footsteps, her own words. During her study, she realized that her need to be seen was being overshadowed by her need to be heard. So, she co-directed Edges with Garth Tavares. Nice. And won an... <laughs> no, no starting again. Okay. Not allowed. It's one take. No, I'm doing... I'm, I'm going back just one thing. Okay. So, she co-directed Edges with Garth Tavares and won an Ovation Award for directing. And after joining forces with Liam Gillespie to produce The Curse, which was meant to be a one-time partnership, The Outlaw happened. Since its inception, they've launched and managed to produce Failure to Lunch, Fragments, the award-winning May I Have This Dance, The Curse of Camp Hellfire Parts 1 and 2, The Muses, and Xcode. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. That list isn't as long as I hoped it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you work so hard all the time, and then you write your list down, you're like, seven things. No, but seven brilliant things is what I would say. And the list is getting longer all the time. Exactly. Right, so let's jump right into it, Kim. Thank you. Um, where did it all start? The passion, the studying, and the first job. Okay, so the passion, I think I'd always... It's weird, the storytelling came before the acting, and then the storytelling disappeared, mm. and then the acting disappeared, and then the storytelling came back. So when I was at school, English was always, like, my favorite thing, and always the storytelling, the, what, paper three, right? Oh, creative you, writing. Creative yeah. writing, that was my vibe, <laughs> I loved it. And my teachers never understood my stories. They were like, it's a bit strange, it doesn't really make sense. And I was like, oh, oh well. So nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And um, then... I'm trying to think. My sister started doing drama at like an um, extramural club down the road from us. And she mm. just would not stop talking about it. And yeah, my parents got divorced. And so I think I needed some kind of outlet to get emotions out. Because therapy was never really a thing. And yeah, she would talk about these things that they were doing, these exercises. And I was like, that feels like something I need. <laughs> like, I think my, my like, psyche knew that yeah. I needed to, like, have that outlet. I want to play those games. Exactly. Yeah. And so I started, and I was like, this is really great. And it felt, I don't want to say easy, but I think, like, naturally I just, I'm a, an oversharer. And I just like to talk about things and talk to people and, mm-hmm. you know, do that kind of thing. And so there was a person there who'd said, are you going to go into this? I was like, no, why? <laughs> I'm not doing that. No, why? There's no job for me out there acting. So, yeah, she kept pushing me. She was like, you know, go to Waterfront Theatre School because then you'll dance and you'll act and you can learn to teach as well, which obviously, like, sealed the deal for my parents. So, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're going to go and do that thing, yeah, at least get a teaching degree. Yeah, like the real job side of things. Exactly. So, yeah, I went there and I was, like, dead set on being a singer and being in musical theater and being like, we used to always go and watch the musicals. I watched We Were Rocky when it was first year, Chicago when Dwayne Alexander was in it. So like going way back and I was always like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then, yeah, I don't know, like it sort of changed at the halfway point of the studying. And we had this class called performance class where you could do whatever you wanted. It was the only sort of free class where there wasn't a set objective except to perform or showcase. Yeah. And yeah, we used to do, I used to direct little bits of things that already existed. And I was like, that's Mm. really exciting. And then I had this idea to direct, to write a piece for for like a 10 minute skit. Cast everybody, directed it and just put it together. And after that, 
I think it was the reaction of people and the ability to affect people on a more, I don't know, like, is it a deeper level, I suppose? Because when you, when you perform, you are yourself affected by the work and yeah. then you can communicate that effect to other people. And so it's like the character becomes a tool for communication, right? But then when you write your own stuff, it's like your own brain that is tapping into that like general synchronicity. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean, yeah. And I think, yeah, we put it on and it, it was about mental health and so it was something that was personal to me. Mm. And then I like did it and I was super anxious and I wasn't in it myself. So I sat in like in front with a little Bluetooth speaker and the whole rest of the school were behind me. And I was just like watching this thing being like, don't mess up the lines, guys. Like, do this. Oh, they're going. And yeah. I was so invested in like the production of it. And then when it was done, I like turned around and I was like, thank you. I'm done now. And people were like affected. And it was the first time I was like, oh, I, I did that. Yeah, you made them all feel that. You know, and I, I did it in a way that that wasn't my intention. I wasn't like, I'm going to make people cry. I'm going to make people feel things that I feel. And it wasn't. Yeah, it was just nice to be like, this is the story, this is a perspective I have about something and that people could be affected in the same way that I was. And I think that kind of, that was the bite and the addiction mm. of that being like, oh, this is such, this is what I was trying to do the whole time. Through performing. Through but performing. But this is actually like the direct, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. We're doing crack before, now we're doing heroin <laughs> like straight to the vein, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that was kind of when the shift happened. And then I became that student who was like, I'm not going to be in this thing, but I'm going to watch you direct this thing, if okay. that's okay. And yeah. so then I became that person who was more interested, even when I was in stuff. Mm. Uh, they're like, oh, you know, let's have the girls do their routine. I'd be like, oh, God, no, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, put down my like, director's no notes and be like, oh, no, I have to go perform, guys. I'll be back. So, okay. yeah, I think I... Which also then took the stress of being a performer because it wasn't like I had to be a performer. Yeah. It was just this thing that I did for fun. Yeah. But the writing and directing was like the thing. The thing. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so what was your first job out of college? Um, good question. I sort of went straight... In terms of the creative thing, I went straight into moving away from the microphone i'm like leaning more and more back <laughs> like scared. okay i um i went straight into producing and directing my own stuff mm. and i think i was lucky that in my when i was going into the industry there were people there were lo there was lots of independent theater makers mm. and i mean like louis foyun as like the sort of the big guy and the one that you know you aspired to be and the fact that he on a poster, you know, he was the writer, the director, the producer. He was, like, the guy. And so there was a lot of that culture. And then Alex Barr as well. Yeah. You know, it was, like, the team of three people that did that play. Yeah. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to to be, to enjoy that kind of theater, going to that kind of theater, and then wanting that was almost, like, the model for how my creative process was, where I was going to write it and be hands-on directing and... And not having to rely on, you know, like I can't do it because I don't have a set design or I can't do it because I don't have a costumer. Yeah. Like I was just going to do it. Just I can go to the Mr. Price and, and buy t-shirts. Yeah. Like I can do that. I can handle it. Um, yeah. And so I wrote and produced my own work. And then obviously you direct people's things like friends. things. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so I did a lot of fringe theater straight out of college on my own thing. Um, and then I taught. I did teach. I got my <laughs> teaching degree. Got that teaching degree, teaching mom degree. and dad. <laughs> just <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> just for them. <laughs> I did teach. I taught at a few schools. I've been lucky enough to teach at schools and not like have a full-time job, just sort of come in for projects and yeah. direct or choreograph or whatever, um, which has been nice. Yeah. And then I kind of fell out of the creative side it's like a weird you it's a terrible thing because like the balance is never you never have balance I think in this industry ever ever Mm -mm. and so like I went into the industry hard and so for two years it was just like create write your own stuff like do that thing Mm -hmm. didn't do anything else and then suddenly I started teaching and then the time to create started to like whittle away and then it was like now I'm a full-time teacher yeah and then you're like oh I hate teaching now like I don't want to teach anymore I just want to create stuff and then you have to and I'm like an extremist I think so I can't ever yeah it's so weird that I'm saying this because it's come up again recently yeah I have one planet I own a planet yeah and that's no (laughs) whatever I'm doing that's the planet Mm -hmm. there are no moons on this planet it is the planet the outlaw is now my planet. planet and it's weird to me that other people have a planet and a moon some people have solar systems yeah you know what i mean they have a wife and kids they have a job they have cycling yeah i don't understand i don't have pla- i don't have cycling. planets yeah i can see you know what saying. i mean like it's just that it's th- i have this yeah. thing and everything there's no moons maybe it's not a planet maybe it's a black hole i don't know it's a it's a massive thing that just is Consumes my entire existence you. and so the idea that i could have a teaching planet and a creative planet mm. my brain can't handle that so I've spent my whole life being like, I quit. And then I'm never going to teach again. And then I'll only do the mm, one thing. That's interesting. And then when that thing is stressing me out, I'll be like, I quit that thing. And then I'll take on the other thing. So I only ever have one planet at a time, which for me is the dream. Because I right now I'm balancing so many moons yeah. and it's I'm struggling with it because mm. I'm I'm using my drives in between things to go like, I'm not the creative at my next job. I'm a performer. I'm not, you know, like completely switching off like businesswoman or creative performer. Like you shifting the whole time. And and like I found lately I've needed to spend some time by myself because I'm like, I'm just doing all these different roles and Mm. not being me. So I would love to have one planet that consumed me. I could just be me in that Mm, space. But so I feel like a shapeshifter throughout my days. So the one planet thing sounds great, actually. It is great, except that, it comes with the sense of not like if people if people don't care as much about your planet as you do devastating <laughs> totally devastating yeah you know what i mean i would wake up at five o'clock in the morning to go and water the plants on my planet and i'd be like oh you should come and do that they're like oh no i don't really want to do that and you're like how dare you my planet needs your help yeah, okay. what's wrong with you so yeah there's a sense of like feeling lonely in the caretaking of your planet if that's mm-hmm. the only thing if you have other things, you kind of already are like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll get to my planet. It's like, this is my planet. Yeah. It's dying and no one cares. So it, it comes with those things, I guess. So Interesting. Ups and downs. Um, right. I would love to ask you, what mm. was your experience on the state of the industry when you started out? Let's go back there. Um, I think it, it was doing very well, I think. Mm. I wasn't... It felt like a hopeful place to enter into. There were, I suppose, the the musical theater scene. I think was similar, 
in terms of we were doing the sound of music and we we're doing Mamma Mia. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were doing the big things. <laughs> probably probably were those. It shows, was, actually. you know. I think after actually pre-COVID, I suppose we had it was exciting because like Few God were doing cool stuff. The fact that they were doing Kinky Boots and they were doing mm. Um, they did Rocky Horror and then the producers. Like those were musicals that people were like, oh, it's new, even though it's like 25 years old. Yeah, but it's new to comparatively us, yeah. new. Um, so there was a bit of that happening. And I think the fact that Greg was sort of heading the the team at Fugard and he was bringing in... Yeah, actually it was doing very well. Like I think it really was that there was cool new art happening here on the Fugard stage that was international. Mm. But then there was cool art happening upstairs in the studio. And like Louis was at some point the, what did you call it? He's the resident director, I guess, yeah. of Fugard just before. And then Alex Barr was doing a whole bunch of cool stuff. Um even did on the bay, you know, like Equus came mm-hmm. and the um, Curious Incident, that those were plays that were on at the West End, like currently, you know, yeah. like, oh, like it felt like we were sort of catching up in years. We yeah. were, you know what I mean? And then we obviously... Were, we were moving forward. And do you yeah. think COVID halted that? I think... <sighs> I think there's a there's a lot of freedom that comes from that we like got to a place where there was more security and we like built audiences and there was freedom in the fact that you could try new things. Whereas as soon as like you've been shut down and there was that massive like um, financial disruption, you come back and you're like, well, we can't do anything experimental now because we need to recuperate the industry, you know? And so we're going to have to go with those safe choices and we're going to have to go with the things that the model that made us money easily before we don't want people being like oh i don't know if it's going to be good we want people to go like oh yeah sound of music God, i know it yeah and i think that's stifles and i think the one thing that was yeah during during lockdown i think there were a few of us that were quite distressed because there were so many people who were like the pioneers of the arts that suddenly went dead quiet Mm. And we were like, where have they gone? Are they, yeah, have they given up? Have they left us? There was no like, you know what I mean? There's no press release being like, so this person's not doing this anymore. You know what yeah, I mean? It was like, like, where did you go where and these why? Voices, where yeah. are they, you know? The people we look up to as yeah. well, like following in their footsteps kind of thing. Like You know, like what's happening to them? Yeah. And, um, you know, and then of course like Fugard closing and then Alex Bar closing and more 69 closing you know all these places that were sort of the the newer like mm. arts faces that yeah, were more interested ex- in the new, the new stuff, spaces you yeah know? and so that was happening and then of course like new voices were coming up and new people were coming up or even not even new people people that were almost i don't want to say on the sidelines but people who had been like hustling just underneath that now we're taking their moment being like, okay, if those, you know, if the old guards have left their posts, you know, who's going to step up? And so people like Sophie Jones, you know, she yeah. has a prime example that like sort of were like, I'm fucking doing it. Yeah. Um, and then I think what's, uh, yeah, like the fact that there was sort of radio silence for a while and obviously these people were using that time effectively and it almost became like they were artists creators who were 
exhausting themselves in the race when COVID was happening. Yeah. And like sort of fighting to keep those doors open or the stages Mm. on. And then people who were like, we're just going to like take care of ourselves and like, you know, sit back and like write work and put on work or not put on work, but like, do you know what I mean? Like rebuild ourselves so that when it's time we'll step up. Yeah. So then you've got the like these artists who have almost been like plowing the fields and are scabby and injured and have like, you know, black eyes and like just deteriorated physically, you know, these like zombie types. Yeah. Um, who've just been like just trying and trying and trying. And then you've got people stepping out of the shower, you know, with face masks on, being like, We're back we're back to do things now and you're like but i was trying the hardest where were you but you i know? mean like but in a way it's a good thing it because is it's a good like thing. come and like you know take over a little bit i need to go you yeah. know to go rest, you know on. exactly i think that like it was a beautiful opportunity for you from the outside from what i can see like mm. the outlaw has become like this massive space and you guys have really like it was so quiet. You guys were the only people doing fringe theater for quite a while. Like, yeah, we were trying. Yeah. yeah. So you, it kind of gave you that, that opportunity. That little window. So, mm. I mean. Yeah, like I don't, like I'm glad, I'm grateful. Because mm. I think, unfortunately, the the issues with this business and they will potentially, because Cape Town, and I, I'll speak for Cape Town specifically, mm. is so small. Is like there's so much gatekeeping and there's so much, and there has to be, you know what I mean? It's like, because there's only, yeah, if there are only five eggs That's and there are 20 exactly, people who want to yeah. eat an egg, like, you've got to get your egg, you know? Exactly. I and understand gatekeeping yeah. in Cape Town. It, it, I mean, if there's only five jobs, mm. you're not going to tell your friends to audition. You know it's what I mean? It's crazy. But um, it shouldn't be that way. Like, I'm so anti that. Yeah. I'm like, we just need to create more work so we can all be employed. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose it's like a systemic issue. Yeah. That needs to be addressed. But yeah, I think. Can I ask you your next question? Yes, please. Yeah. Let's. Um, you create new and intriguing, captivating work. What has influenced your creative vision? Yeah. Back to Kim, the creative. Mm-hmm, I like mm-hmm. that. Let's get into your Let's mind. Um, I. Th- it's been a process of like learning to trust mm. myself. Um, obviously, I, so I didn't study writing yeah. and theater making. That was just something that I had to learn just by observation. Um, and I was lucky enough to have my best friend at college, Terrence. We used to go and we had a challenge every year where we watched 52 plays in a year. Unreal. And we got there. I mean, obviously f- festivals helped because we yeah. would just get an artist pass and just go to everything. But yeah, we did. We for like a long time, even after college, we would just watch shows. And so I think you start off and Neil Gaiman always he said this. He was like, you're going to start off imitating what you see until you find your yeah. voice. And so in the beginning, I definitely was inspired by people. I mean, I feel like Louis Fouillon is like the buzzword today. Yeah, But I was inspired but by him and I think I was so. inspired by the fact that he he had such a clear voice. So it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to imitate his voice, but just I wanted to imitate having a voice. Yeah, like having such a distinct brand. And you like, know, yeah. and that he also wrote without like, I mean, obviously his work is literally, like literally very beautiful. Okay, I thought you, you were know, saying literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. literally. 
Yes. Yes. No, it's it's like the word it's wordy and it's yeah. like it's very eloquent and it's well like written and structured, but it's also at the same time cutthroat. Mm. It doesn't fuck around. Yeah. And it's interesting that he's been able to find that balance. But I yeah, I kinda like that when you watch his work, it's very clear what he means and what yeah. he's saying and what his perspective of yeah. the subject matter is. And so you kind of get to a point where you think, I just have to write what I actually think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you actually just have to. And the thing is you can't, you can tell when an artist is trying to accommodate all the voices in their community Mm. because then you have wishy-washy work, you know, and people have perspectives. We all do. We, you know, we weren't brought up in bubbles. We're not, you know, we're not AI that is able to infiltrate the metaverse and just be like, I'm lukewarm about everything. And I say the right thing about Mm. everything. And so, yeah, I think I don't try to edit myself when I write. Mm. And I trust that what's coming out is fine. Yeah. And I trust the editor as well. Like my first draft of everything I know is my first draft. I think sometimes people are like, oh, you know, you're going to write 60 pages and it's such a task. You you don't really have to write 60 good pages. You could just. Just write some stuff. And then let the editor, who's also you. Yeah. It's not like you've even handed over. Different part of your brain, though. You, you know? know what I mean? Like you go in with a critical eye. Yeah, but just let it take, take over when it needs to. But I think the one thing that like inspires me is just like having questions, if that makes sense. Like yeah. a lot of my work will come from in a situation, be it like an emotional, intense intense place or just something that i see i'm sitting in a coffee shop and i'm like oh what's that it's just Mm. the i the question being like what if this happened yeah you know what if this yeah what fuck it i'm trying to think of an example yeah i suppose like what if it, it what if it went like this or what if this had happened to us or what if we decided to go down that road what if we'd said no to this thing you know all of these what ifs that you ask yourself yeah they're almost an exploration of that you know, I get my you. work. I, I see that in your, now when you say that, I can see it so clearly in your work. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like these hypotheticals that I can then play out and almost like, yeah, yeah. revisit situations and play them out in these hyper realities. Yeah. Just to figure them out. Yeah, like the curiosity of like mm. all the different like ways it could have gone. Exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a mixture of like, your truth and your experience and Uh, your imagination yeah which is really cool like i think you have one of the most vivid imaginations Mm. i know and it's crazy because actually like i'm trying at the moment i want to write a tv show Mm. just like about i don't want to say myself but just about like this the millennial like the lost generation yeah the generation (laughs) that is kind of like i'm sorry you know <laughs> we we had parents who were so like this is what you do and this is like yeah. so assertive and you know and like stand up for yourself you're like i can't stand up to my for myself to someone like you yeah do you know what i mean it's like you stand up for yourself except if it's to me yeah then you shut up yeah and be quiet <laughs> you know so we were educated to be like strong but we weren't ever strong enough to take on our parents i don't think yeah but that then like then Gen Z's coming Gen Z's, in. And they are strong. And the millennials are like, oh, my word, like, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> we are. We're like the Canadian generation. Yeah. We're just so apologetic about everything. And like, it does. It feels like we're just lost. We're the limbo kids. And yeah. to write like something about that. 
And so things happen to me every now and then where things that are like, you know, need to, I'll like put in my, unpack this with my therapist, little compartment, mm. but I'll be like, oh, in the show, this is, and then I, I turn them up. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, instead of the little event where it was like, oh, my dad forgot to pick me up. I'm like, what if? my dad forgot to pick me up because he was having a secret affair with this person. And you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I can like explore almost the, take the traumatic event and be like, how do we make it worse? <laughs> how do we, how how do do we make, make it, it worse? worse? So it's like real trauma, you not know? just like a kid's trauma. Not just like shame. Yeah. You, you know, her dad didn't come to a gymnastics class. You know what I mean? Like how do we like turn that up? Yeah, make a story. Mm. Yes. And how do you, I suppose it's like also being able to identify the core of a thing, you know, because yeah. like so often we think that like all of our, all of what happens to us is universal, but you have to find what that universal catch is. You know what I mean? Like I can't relate to failing a dance exam, mm. but I can relate to rejection. Yeah. I can relate to failure. I can relate to those things. So it's yeah. about like taking the event and being like, this is the thing that happened. Not everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, I also remember the time I tripped over a garden gnome. And then, yeah. you know, but humiliation, totally understand. Yeah, no. And get that. That's exactly how I approach my acting. It's like, I don't have to have been through everything I've acted yeah. out before. It's like the emotion. Mm. Like, I think it's, I heard something like you felt every emotion by like the age of 12 or something. Yeah. So, like, even though it's like yeah. your dad didn't fetch you, you felt like this distress. Yeah. So it's like you 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 can use that emotion for everything. Oh, so yeah. it's like I approach my acting mm. the same way with the writing. Yeah, and it's easier almost because like method. It's unreliable. Because <laughs> then the question is, what are you going to do if you play someone who, you know, was lost in space? Yeah. Oh, my God, become an astronaut. Yeah, I have to go you out know, for, in I'm space. I'm going to have to get lost somewhere. See what it feels like. You know, but we've all felt lonely. And isolated. And, and Yeah. That's actually what the story is about. It's not about a woman in space. Yeah. It's exactly. about feeling lonely and disconnected. Exactly. Also, uh, I'm also seeing like the emotional length of all your work. Mm. Like, oh, it's, it's so interesting actually hearing all of this. Like for me, I'm like, oh my word, oh my word, this all makes so much sense now. Which, yeah. And I suppose character as well is such a nice thing to play with, especially in dialogues and in like dynamics where there's more than one person is that, because we're, and we were talking about this earlier, we're not, I'm I'm not like quirky girl. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like show yeah. you, castings, uh, you can be like pet parent, you know? <laughs> but that's not who I am. Yeah. I am a, a complete asshole to some people. Yeah. Pe some people think I'm aloof and that I'm mysterious. Some people think I'm annoying and overshare. You know what I mean? So I have all of these different parts, and we all do. Say the positive ourselves. ones too, Kim. I don't know. <laughs> that's what I'm not. That's what I'm not. <laughs> Positive and optimistic. That's the one thing that I don't know. Yeah. But like if I'm playing, like I know for Xcode, all three of those characters were me. Yes. And I was able to go, cool, this one represents this kind of compartment mm. that I keep, and I'm going to turn that up to 11 yeah and same with this person and same with this person and how do these people interact and that's what's going on in yeah how you're interacting with yourself yeah. interesting because mm. yeah it's, it is like um allowing yourself to be so multifaceted and exploring all the different sides of you instead yeah. of just playing like you know the one side mm. of you for everything yeah i suppose that's like great advice for anyone who's trying to unlock creativity is like go into the different sides of you yeah 
like a multifaceted and have that human. argument with yourself you know like yeah and that's also what like in real life when you're arguing with someone you're like this is my this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm trying to achieve mm. but when you argue with yourself how often are you like you start the thing being like i'm so in the right about this mm-hmm. that person's terrible to me Mm-hmm. And they deserve to be punished. And I'm going to make that happen. And then the more you argue, the more you go, maybe I should have been more clear about this. Yes. Oh, no. Maybe I'm the terrible person. And then how quickly you can switch over mm-hmm. from being the hero of the story. To the villain. To the villain. And then the victim sitting there being like, but I'm still hurt. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? And then it's just a scene with three people. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's all And a you've chopped and changed the whole narrative in your own head. And eventually, like, you know, you went into the conversation being like, this person's going to apologize to me. And you've let them know, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then you leave being like, why did you do that? Yeah. You're not sorry. Well, you are. Yeah. But also they must be. <laughs> yeah. Very, very interesting. Shit. Right. Let's see. I want to. Yes. Well, this is kind of like this question is definitely in line with what we're talking about. Your work is far from run of the mill. What is the importance of pushing creative, the creative envelope in today's world? Um, I think something that makes me excited but also very anxious is I don't know what the audience want and like looking at how the medium of film has changed the fact that we used to be I mean you watch Casablanca it's like four hours and nothing really happens do you know what I mean? And that yeah. that was like film and people would go and they would do that and it was thrilling. Mm-hmm. And then as time's gone on, now it's like a Marvel movie where if dialogue must be five pages and everything else must be just like fighting and CGI, yeah. you know? And I mean, even worse, go to like YouTube that then used to, you know, used to have videos that were like half an hour long, an hour long. Yeah. And how now we've gone down to TikTok where it's like, like seven seconds. Yeah that that's how our brains have been adapting. And you're like, Mm. what does that mean for theater? You know, what is that? Like, what do we have to do? Because you also don't want to be the kind of person being like, okay, you don't want to make Marvel films. Yeah. You know, that's not not, what theater's about. That's not theater, I mean, sometimes there are some people who create that. But that's what they, that's their brand, right? And I think we at the outlaw are so curious about what the audience want which is why we are leaning so far into creating immersive experiences Mm -hmm. because even like i think people they want to be involved yeah you know they stimulated as well like just our attention spans like the immersive thing is just so exciting for Mm -hmm. our new formed brains kind of thing completely and things like hint hunt where they you're doing it is a, it's a theatrical experience and people don't necessarily attach that to theater, mm. but you are the character. You are playing Sherlock Holmes getting out of this room. Yeah. You know, these like games and Dungeons and Dragons, they are characters in the story. It's all theater, mm-hmm. you know, and how do we, how do we lean into that and not reject that? You know what I mean? Like how it's do like we... gamifying theater in a way. Yeah, like and games as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we had this thing this weekend where these guys, they came at Friday afternoon at 2, plugged in their consoles and they left at 2 p.m. on Sunday. They and were there is, the whole time? They were there the whole time. They would, You'd see like heads just knock off for like, you know, hours at a time. But like that, that was what they did. And it's that escapism. How do you mm-hmm. take people out properly? Because sometimes when you're sitting in a theater, you're watching a show and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know I'm the not show. in it, yeah. but the show is there and I'm invested and I'm, mm-hmm. and then someone like opens a chip packet and you just, you're out. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, I'm here. Yeah. I'm in the theater. 
how do you bring people into this world that yeah. they can so actually they be a part of can escape into you know like proper escapism and the other thing that we're struggling with i think is money because why would i go and watch a show where i'm forced to sit and watch something when i could for 50 rand go out to i don't know a bar <laughs> cape town rand, bar yeah. <laughs> and have a drink and sort of be part of something. You're doing something. I'm doing something. Not I'm here. I'm playing a character with my yeah. friends. You know, we're dancing, we're whatever. And how do we also manage that experience? Because yeah. people don't have money. Yeah, they don't. They don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. <either>. If <laughs> I don't know, if I don't get invited to theater and comped and VIP'd, I have to make serious decisions yeah. and go like, I'm broke. I mean, it doesn't help that I'm paying rent on a building in Cape Town. But the fact is, like, I really have to consider. And I'm like, this is yeah. my industry. And I'm like, you can't even you can't even show up for it kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's just yeah. it's tough. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going out to bars. So it's not like I'm spending my money elsewhere. Like, yeah. I'm really not spending. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm toasting at the moment. Yeah. You know, two minute noodles. That's my, my meal of choice. But, you know, other people are the same. Yeah. How do we do that? Like, where is our audience? Yeah, it's it's tricky as well because it's like the new and exciting immersive work. Like, we want to get young people in. Mm. We want to get them in, but they're not the people with the money for yeah. theater. Like, that's such an extra, you know, it's yeah. like a luxury. Yeah. Theater has always been seen as a luxury for, you know, upper class. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like creating theater where it's like for everyone. It's like this inclusive thing mm. and immersive. And those are the people that are struggling to come. So, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, but I mean, it's like figuring out how to balance. And I suppose that's where things like, yeah, going back to freaking the Globe Theatre when Shakespeare was doing stuff, mm. those tiered experiences, the fact that like the you royalty would sit up on their balcony and they'd have yeah. that experience. And then, and it was all a thing, right? It was all a social experience too. Mm. It wasn't just watching a thing. It was like, I'm at the theatre and yeah. I'm sitting up here. You know, it's a social thing. Mm-hmm. and then you've got people who are sitting more like lower tier and then you've got people who are standing in the rain yeah because that's what they can afford because they also want to be part of that experience yeah to be part of it you know and like how do we how do we keep theater alive but also offer that kind of tiering yeah. system yeah you know because well, I mean, the people that you wanted your shows are the people who are broke yeah because they're giving exactly they're sitting there being like you know, pop off. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Those are the people I want at my shows. Exactly. I don't want the guy with 500 bucks being like, oh, it's a plastic jean. I don't like it. Yeah. You want, like, the best people um, at Camp Hellfire were the people on the picnic in yeah. the front. Exactly. Like, invested the whole way through, you know? like, part of the experience with us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's a tricky uh, one. Because also then catering to that is really tricky. Mm-hmm. It's really tricky. But I suppose that's where you have to just rely on the art. Mm. That if the show itself is good, it should entertain that. All the tears. You know. It should entertain everyone. Yeah. How much do you consider like the audience and like in terms of like commercial viability? Like how much do you really consider that? Or do you just go, this is what it is, take it or leave it? It's terrible because... (laughs) more and more I have to stop myself from thinking about the audience Mm. as we've gotten on. Mm -hmm. I think where 
what I've tried to do and what we've tried to do is we try to separate the process. So when I'm writing the script, I don't consider the audience at all. Mm. It's not my business as a script writer. Yeah. As the director, it's my business whether or not what's on the text is being communicated clearly to an audience. So then I am invested in how the text is not being received, but how it's being communicated. Yeah. Being like, these are the themes. Are we nailing that? But I'm not like, will they like it? Okay. Then when it comes to creating the experience, it's like, okay. For the people. For the people, right? But also, how do I market it? Maybe it is. It's the marketing. You go, what do the people want? Mm. But I hate that. Yeah, I mean, it, that, it's, it is, it's a soul-draining kind of thing yeah. to do, but it is important. Yeah. I also think I'm lucky because I'm a, I'm a bit like full of shit in terms of I have a high standard that I only I know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if someone's like, oh, we should do a TikTok of the thing. I'm like, I'm not involved in that. Yes. You know what I mean? I'll be like, you, you people do that. Yeah. You know, if you want to do TikToks, go ahead. But I'm not, inv- I'm not doing that. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like I have this. What is it? Like I'm I'm stuck up about certain things okay. that I won't do. Because I think for me, because I'm so invested in my planet and the art, I'm like, does it align with the project? Because <laughs> yeah. if, if making a TikTok aligns with the project, then that's great. Yeah, fine then. Then I'm cool with it. Then it makes sense. Yeah. But if it, if it doesn't make sense in like the scheme of the work and the world of the work that we're creating, then yeah. I'm, not, I'm not having it. I suppose I get, I get you. You know, like for Camp Alpha, one of the things we wanted to do, and I still wish we'd done it earlier, is dressed up in scout uniforms and just hit the town. Yeah. And being the weirdos, being yeah. the little cult that's walking around, you know, and people being like, are they protesting something? Like, <laughs> what is this? Because yeah. it feels like it fits in with that universe. Yeah. But for Xcode, it wouldn't have worked. Oh, no. You know, definitely not. Yeah. For Xcode, it would have worked to have like made a little Instagram post that like flickers. Mm-hmm. And then like pumped two thousand rand into the promo and just letting that would have been a marketing scheme I that like you. in line, with, in the line world, with the world, the planet, yeah, the planet that you're the living on, that I'm living on at that time, yeah. Okay, I, mm. I see. I, I completely get it yeah. now. Like you, you need your marketing to align. Yeah, because otherwise it's like, is it false advertising? Okay, I see you. You know. Yeah, it's tricky because, I mean, I do think that social media is probably just our best option mm. in terms of, like, budget for marketing at yeah. the moment. Yeah. But, I mean, scouts don't have They don't have the media. internet. Yeah, so, like, what are they supposed <laughs> to do? How are we going to get scouts? people to come? Yeah. Handing our flyers. Yeah. And I am very curious. I think this is the thing that I wish I had more. I wish my life didn't feel so rushed all the time. Mm. I wish I had time to, like, now the hypothetical being, like, maybe I'm a little bit of a scientist. Do you know what I'm yes. saying? Where I'm like, I don't just want to be like, oh, let's do some marketing. I'm like, but I want to I want to go deep into marketing. Yes. I'm like, what kind of marketing is there? Okay, these 10 things. Let's tick off all of these things. Let's try all of these things. Let's like write freaking theses yeah. on all of these things. See what works. Like try everything. You know, but then you get to like show week and you're like, oh no, we haven't made a poster. Yeah, quickly post on your story. Like, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, I wish I had time to... Yeah. Like sink into those things. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe like the next show that you do, maybe it is about like marketing it so far in advance yeah. and seeing like making like little tables and graphs and seeing what works. Yeah. 
and trying that out yeah because i do think that like if you get your marketing right mm. i mean people have already bought the ticket even if they don't show up yeah do you know what i mean you like got your money if you got your money like at the end of the day yeah. like your marketing is probably the most important thing yeah and like I mean, have a good show, but you do have good shows. So, <laughs> you know, you. marketing yeah. is the biggest thing. It's like yeah. getting getting an audience to experience that work and mm. build that and build yeah. the audience. The people for you. Right. So that's Kim, the creative. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching and listening and getting a peek into Kim's mind. Come back next week for Kim, the professional. Okay. Bye now. Fade out. <laughs>